Well hello and welcome to Rare Nautical Reads with me Chris Stamwell Major. In this episode we're continuing The Bombard Story by Dr. Alain Bombard, translated by Brian Connell, and we're continuing Chapter 13. Chapter 13 continued. Longitude. Tuesday the 2nd of December. My morale was very low and the log is quite difficult to decipher. Still nothing in sight. Saw a new type of bird this morning a Manx shearwater, also described as not flying more than a hundred miles out to sea. This seems to be the evidence for and against the proximity of land. Against. Hour of sunrise, sunset, zenith, and moonrise. But the first three already showed an error of about an hour on my departure when I knew my longitude. The hour of moonrise would put me at about 50 degrees west, but this is contradicted by the reading given when it sets. 4. Hour of moonset, which makes me about 60 degrees west. Irregularity of the wind, which falls at midnight. Frigate bird. Few birds in general, but new types and not a single albatross. I have made 50 or 60 miles a day, which was my average on the first lap to the Canaries. That is to say, between 2,000 and 2,400 miles. There can only be between 180 and 380 miles to go. At best, I'm at longitude 59 or 60 degrees, at worst, only at 50 degrees. If the wind had held, I would have been ashore a week ago, but it is extremely light and only blows five or six hours a day, less than between Tangier and Casablanca. It looks as if I shall never cover the remaining two or three hundred miles. Nothing is more exasperating than to have logged two and a half thousand in a month and then need 30 days for the remaining 300. Still, no sign of a wind. It really is too much, and beginning to lose hope completely. My experiment has now lasted 44 days, but I cannot bear the idea of failure so near success. If only I could pass on some news, but have seen neither plane nor boat. As for the raft book, all its information about birds is tripe and serves only to lower morale. 1500 hours. What I fail to understand is this. My chief problem should have been to avoid drifting too far south, but for ten days that is where what wind there is has come from. What has happened to the northeast trade wind? Now forty-five days out, a month and a half, and Jeanette still completely without news. Another day lost. Fortunately, few of them have been as cloudless as this, otherwise my skull would soon be at boiling point. Looks like another storm blowing up. Wednesday the 3rd of December absolutely disgusted. The wind has swung round to the northeast again after first veering west. A charming touch, but it is pretty feeble. 1100 hours. Wind suddenly freshens for the first time in a week. If only it lasts. 1500 hours. Stock of fresh water getting low. Need rain, but not too much. 1800 hours. Another frigate bird. Have given up counting how many I've seen. If the raft book is right, and they do not venture beyond a hundred miles, then I hope that this time it is correct. If it had been true about the others, I would already be there. Diarrhea now very bad, and seems to make me terribly thirsty. Would love to drink a quart of milk, just like that, at one gulp. Thursday the 4th of December. Nothing in sight, not a thing. and beginning to feel physically exhausted. Visited today by a butterfly. Also saw a gossamer thread floating in the air, such as spider spin on land. Surely, after that, land cannot be far away. Score for ships and planes. 
nil. Friday, the 5th of December. For all I know, the land is only a few dozen miles away, but that doesn't help me, as I still have no wind. And worn out with this continuing diarrhoea and hemorrhage, I hardly dare to eat any more. If this goes on, the boats may arrive, but they will find me in it dead. Sky still leaden, not a cloud to be seen. Am completely baffled, have no idea where I am. If the dinghy is thrown up with me as a corpse, I have only one request, and that is that someone goes and boxes the ears of the author of this castaway's handbook. It only serves to demoralise anyone who has been unfortunate enough to buy it. It states, in black and white, a considerable number of frigate birds means that land is about 100 miles away. I've seen quite a number during the last week and have covered about 300 miles. The only moral is that the author is dishonest to make statements he knows to be false, or if he has not confirmed them, then he should leave them out. The same applies to those who make assertions about the trade wind. It is perfectly clear that they have never had to make the journey themselves, or else they were in a ship with an engine. In the area of the West Indies in November and December, there are two days of wind for every ten days of flat calm. Problem for the day. Assuming that I am making a hundred yards an hour, how long will it take me to cover the hundred miles to land, if such a place exists? I shall be dead first, either burnt to a crisp or a victim of thirst and hunger. Everything seems to conspire against me. Since this morning I have literally been stewing in my own juice under a terrible sun. No shade, and yet barely half a mile away, the sky is covered with thick clouds. It is frightening to realise to what extent one can develop a persecution mania alone on the surface of the sea. It really seems as if one is the victim of a conspiracy which one will never defeat. The wind is propelling several small cloud formations, but it seems as if they deliberately avoid the sun rather than pass across it and give me a little shade. I am exhausted. If I fail, it will be because everything has turned against me. No wind and a scorching sun. Yesterday it rained all round the horizon, but not a drop fell into the boat. It really is too much. My sail is flapping from left to right, so much for the trade wind. Definition of the trade wind area, a region where there is practically never any wind. I cannot even explain it by saying that I am in the doldrums. At this time of year, they are about latitude 5 degrees north, and in that case I would already have sighted land. This diarrhea is unbearable. One thing I know, the next time there is a storm, I will trust in God and under no circumstances put out the sea anchor. What have I done to deserve this? After all, I could perfectly well have stopped in the Canaries. Jean-Luc, if I am dead on arrival, please publish a book made up of these entries as a small recompense to my wife. I was right when I said it was a bad omen when Seaman said that this crossing was possible. Mediterranean, Casablanca, the Canaries were easy, although they were described as impossible. And now I am going to fail lamentably. How pleased a lot of people are going to be. I cannot stand the noise of this flapping sail. This is the worst day of all. I would prefer a good storm. Have thrown some phosphorescent stuff in the water which makes a stain in the sea in order to see how long I can keep it in sight. I may be making better time than I think. What really worries me is that up till now, even when I had very little wind, the clouds always indicated there was some at high altitudes. Today, I do not even have that consolation. I hope that this does not go on for another week. It is now 32 days since I saw a ship, and 21 since I sighted a plane. I am utterly despondent. To think that Jack said, we shall never make it because of the wind, storms and hurricanes. But it is this flat calm which has caused disaster. If only I could send an SOS, 
but that is quite impossible. Not a single cloud passes across the sun, although there are plenty of them. I do not understand what is going on. Now there are lots of little flecks of low cloud racing across the sky, but I am still in a dead calm, such as I have seldom seen, not even in the Mediterranean. If only I could have a bath. Saturday, the 6th of December. Quite a fresh breeze from the north. It's better than nothing. I saw three more white tails together this morning. I can only suppose that land is 60 or 80 miles away. I cannot believe that the author of the Castaways Handbook is wrong every time. Perhaps after all I shall see land tomorrow or the day after. Come what may, I would like to record my last wishes in case I am dead when the boat arrives. 1. I desire these notes to be made into a book, the rights to be held by Jeanette Bombard, my wife. The following may be consulted on the background and reasons for this voyage. Then I listed several names. 2. Here I gave certain instructions concerning provision for my wife and daughter. And number three, steps must be taken to prevent the death of other castaways whose morale has been shattered by the authors of handbooks giving false information about signs of the proximity of land. Moreover, I hold responsible for my death those who prevented me from having the radio transmitter I so badly need at the moment. My thesis holds good for a duration of 50 days. If I am dead on arrival, there is no need for other castaways to despair. After that period... The strain on the human system is too great. It is highly desirable that astronomy courses in schools should include instruction in the principles of practical navigation. Sunday the 7th of December, still nothing in sight, but I cannot be far away now. At this point, my writing becomes stronger and more legible. I must get there alive, if only for Jeanette, Nathalie, Renaud and Anne, but this suspense is terrible. The sun is implacable and I am very thirsty. My supply of fresh water is running low. There cannot be more than about a gallon left. And to think how much I've thrown overboard, barrels and barrels of it. I'm doing very little fishing, but catching enough. With this horrible diarrhoea, cannot bear the thought of having to start drinking seawater and fish juice again. I'm really feeling quite ill. Yesterday's north wind drove me 18 miles to the south, carrying me away from Desiree, the nearest land, now it has dropped again. It is almost too much to bear. And there it stands in the pilot book, West Indies, Volume 2, Lines 9 to 14. The trade wind is at its strongest and most regular from December to March or April. It is at that time at its furthest north and blows from the east-northeast to the northeast, strength about four on the Beaufort scale. It is astonishing how many errors get into print. If I do not sight land tomorrow or the day after, at the very latest, nothing will make sense and I shall give up. When I left my longitude about 15 degrees 20 minutes, I took my sight at about 12.10. Today, I took it at 15.10. A difference of three hours, which must place me at 60 degrees 20 minutes west. Desiree is on 61 degrees, that is to say 38 miles further west. Dominica and Mary Gallant are respectively 61 degrees 20 and 61 12 west, that is to say 56 and 49 miles. Even at 30 miles a day, that cannot be more than two days sailing. If I see nothing the day after tomorrow, I shall resign. I've had enough. All I can think of is poor Jeanette, who must be dying a thousand deaths. 16.30 hours. Everything is stacked up against me. The wind has freshened, but is driving me to the south. My luck is right out. However, everything is not lost. Even to the south, 
I have a certain amount of margin as far as Grenada, 240 miles away, but this drift is going to mean further delay. Everything points to land being near, except for an actual sight of it. I keep passing pieces of floating wood, and for a while I was followed by what looked like a shoal of mullet, neither of which is a normal sight on the high seas, but all I want to see is some sort of coastline. Monday the 8th of December, still nothing in sight, and the wind has fallen again. I can hardly believe that people like the author of the Castaways Handbook could be asked to write something for the official use of the American Navy and fill it with nothing but misstatements. It says that a frigate bird has never been seen more than 300 miles from the coast. Only admitting the evidence of the last one I saw, five days ago, there cannot have been more than 300 miles to go even then. Saturday morning, I again saw three tropic birds together. That is even more precise evidence. Three of them means that land is 60 or 80 miles away, say 100 miles to be fair. And if I made 40 miles from Saturday to Sunday and another 40 since, there can only be another 20 to go. Still nothing in sight and another broiling day in prospect. I've been at sea 50 days, which would mean that I have made an average of only 44 miles a day. Although at the start I managed much more, and must have averaged 30 miles a day since, except for one day. The wind has died right down again. I took 11 days for the 555 mile lap to the Canaries. This passage is five times as long and should have taken me 55 days, which means, I suppose, that I shall arrive on Saturday. There is very little fresh water left and I cannot face the idea of seawater with this bad diarrhoea. I'm catching very few fish. They must be getting suspicious. This does not really matter as there are plenty of flying fish. If things came to the worst, I always have my reserve stock of emergency food, but once I have eaten that, it would all be over. Whoever writes a book for castaways based on my experience will have to give entirely different figures for the distance from land indicated by the birds. This one must be hundreds of miles out, feeling very disheartened, but somehow I must find the strength to carry on. If only I knew my exact longitude. If I was absolutely sure of my position, however far there was to go, I would feel a bit better. The ship and plane routes must lie to the west of the islands, in the Caribbean, which is why there are none to be seen. And to think that in strong winds I have had the sea anchor out for whole days, while now my sail is drooping uselessly. God, what can I do to end this terrible uncertainty? The day is going to be unbearably hot, without a cloud to mask the sun. Luck seems dead against me. I can see it raining on the horizon, but not a drop comes anywhere near, and there are clouds all round, but I get nothing but burning sun. This is supposed to be the regular trade wind season, but I seem to get one day of wind, one with a breeze, and then two or three of flat calm. The dinghy is practically stationary. I can still see my green fluorescent patch after three days. It must be moving with the current, too. And it has been this way since Saturday the 22nd. That makes 20 days of near immobility. I'm not likely to forget them. I must have been crazy to put any confidence in a book written by specialists. Unfortunately, it looks as if I am not going to live to put their facts right for them. 20 days of calm when the trade wind is at its strongest and most regular. With this weather, I cannot possibly get there alive, and yet there cannot be all that way to go. I keep seeing bits of tree bark and bits of cork, but my sail is still flapping. 30 or 1500 miles to go, it's all the same. 14.30 hours. This is another day like last Friday, flat calm, and a flapping sail. Hurrah for the trade wind. Perhaps this is one of the signs that I am near land. 
in which case just let me catch sight of it. Outlook for tomorrow, the same. I am not moving an inch. It is now 48 hours since I saw my famous group of birds, yet I estimate I must have covered 80 miles. 1600 hours. I must say, I would like a swim, and a look at the bottom of the boat. At least the dinghy will arrive intact, even if this goes on another month, unless we meet a swordfish. 1630 hours. The sea is rising slightly, proof that there must be wind somewhere, but I am hardly getting a puff. I'm hot and thirsty. Please God I live long enough to drink two quarts of milk at one gulp. Think of all the baths I have taken in my life without drinking a drop of the water. What a topsy-turvy world. At home, it does not matter whether I turn off the tap or not. Here, a couple of gallons means the difference between life and death. 1700 hours. Whether I am 40 miles from Dominica or not, I shall never get there because there is no wind. And then, in a jumbled handwriting which I cannot recognise as my own, I noted, another awful day. Have run again through my calculations of position. 19th of October, at 15 degrees west, took position at 12.15 hours. 14th of November, took position at 1400 hours, a difference of 1 hour 45 minutes, which gives 41 degrees west. This means that by then, I had covered 1,568 miles, at an average of 59 miles a day. 8th of December, sun at zenith at 15.10 hours. That makes it 59 degrees west, or a run of 1,044 miles since the 14th, at an average of 43.5 miles a day. That leaves only another 116 miles, so those birds must have been two or 300 miles out at sea. According to the chart, I should sight something Wednesday or Thursday, at worst Friday, provided I get a little wind, although there is not much sign of it. It was during this period of uneventful calm that I had the most dangerous encounter of all. Sitting in the stern of the heretic, watching the feeble wake, I saw appear, still some way off, a flat, black, undulating mass in the water. As it came nearer, I saw it had white patches which caught the sun. Then, it was about 50 feet away, I realised that it was a giant ray. Contrary to all logic, I somehow felt reassured and took out the cine camera to film it, without stopping to think that it probably regarded me as a good meal. It followed me for about two hours, keeping its distance all the time. Then, it suddenly disappeared as if sucked down to the depths. It was only after my return that a fisherman from Dakar told me, that was probably your moment of greatest danger. A ray of that size could have capsized you with a single flip of a fin, or could even have leapt clean out of the water on top of you. Tuesday the 9th of December, 1500 hours. A slight wind since 7 o'clock yesterday evening, if only it holds. Sun as hot as ever today, had nightmares all night. Still nothing in sight. Hardly to be wondered at this rate of progress. Well, that's the end of today's chapter. We're going to continue with the story tomorrow. Now, if you haven't already, consider please going over to patreon.com forward slash the mariner. You can follow the link in the podcast description. And there we have a growing community of people just like yourself who are interested in sailing, interested in seamanship, and interested to learn more techniques and tips that can help 
their time on their boat be safer and more enjoyable. So at $5 a month, your donation directly contributes to me being able to produce the podcasts and keeps the lights on, keeps the wheels going round. But if you are interested in developing your skills further, then you may be interested to increase your contribution to the next level up, to the mate level. And there for $20 a month, you get access to the one hour professionally produced seamanship training videos that we do each month which drill down and look at specific aspects of seamanship and safety at sea, get into the nitty gritty of it and uh, share with you information that can make your time at sea both more enjoyable and safer. So if any of that sounds interesting, go along to patreon.com forward slash the mariner or follow the link in the podcast description and become part of the community. But that's all for today. So I hope that wherever you are and whatever you're doing, you are safe and sound. And I look forward to speaking to you in the next one. Cheers.